ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Above the Bar podcast. For each week, we belly up to the bar with a new guest, find out what they do, who they are, and what makes them great. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to the Above the Bar podcast. It's your host, Sean. We are bellied up to the bar today. It's another one of those days where we need no security. Things are going to be nice and quiet. We we are talking about, and, and if you know if you know me, this is something that I very much enjoy. This is probably the only martial art that I ever stuck with, next to uh, some of the stuff we did in the Marine Corps, which is, I don't know, it was very different back in the day compared to what we do today. So, bellowing up to the bar today with us. Uh, a man who has even his facial hair registered as a lethal weapon. Um, he is already, he is halfway to being uh, one of the greatest uh, senseis in Aikido, just based on having the Steven Seagal hairdo. Uh, we're making it all happen today. Joining us live from parts unknown, because if he told us he'd have to kill us with just his thumb, we have Mr. Antonio Aloye. <laughs> hi antonio hi thank you for having me on there and thank you for that awesome intro thank you <laughs> i mean i felt i felt like it was fitting i mean I, I it was a, a good fitting introduction was that was that, i mean pretty accurate and everything well i mean if you know if i had to confirm anything i would i would have to kill you with my second thumb so <laughs> i don't even know what that means most of us have a left and a right he has a second so just keep that in mind, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> He's packing a second thumb. So uh, before we get into what Antonio's got going on, what's happening, and all those kind of things, let's let's go ahead and uh, go ahead and do some house cleaning here real quick. As always, over my right shoulder is the big board for sticker in a cause. That means if you've got something you're supporting, maybe you have your own dojo, like back in the day when I uh, studied, and you have a sticker for it, or you're you've written your own book or you've got a club or a podcast, whatever it is, you can reach out to us on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, TikTok, Instagram, even our email. It's all the above the bar podcast. Reach out. Let me know what you got going on. I'll tell you where to send the sticker on and a little bit of free advertisement for you. We'll go ahead and uh, read about whatever you got going on right here on the big board. Uh, we did have a sticker. It's sitting upstairs. Uh, it is for generation acts. Uh, Generation Axe is an axe throwing. Uh, have you ever done axe throwing, Antonio? Yes, I have. It's really fun. It re it's not, I'm going to be honest with you. When I initially saw it, I was like, this is not going to be easy. Like it has that not going to be easy vibe. Um, especially if you ever watch that guy on TikTok who throws like, he's like, this is a spoon. He's like, <laughs> he's like throws it into the wood. Like every time a perfect throw and you're like, this dude's like, this is French fry. I throw into wood and kill someone. Like, like, have you ever seen this guy? Yes, yes. <laughs> it's just like, and you're, he's like, see, I kill with French fry. Like, every time. Uh, and I thought it was going to be tough, but we went, to, my wife and I went to Generation Axe. I cannot recommend them enough. It is a phenomenal place. It is a lot of fun. And they have great instructors that will help you get through it. So if you're in the capital region around Albany, make sure you go to Generation Axe and let them know that you're there to uh, get, get your throw one. I don't know, but it was fun. Uh, 
also we've got for our sponsors we have as always budget blinds of east greenbush your locally owned and operated window covering franchise that offers high quality custom window blinds shutters and drapes at an affordable price their knowledgeable and experienced team is dedicated to providing excellent customer service and helping you find the perfect window treatment to fit your style and budget stay up to date with your latest products promotions designs tips by following them on facebook and instagram budget blinds of east greenbush and if you tell them if you tell them about this ad and say hey i'm here to belly up to the bar to get some new new blinds or window coverings just for mentioning this ad, they're going to give you a 10% discount off your entire order. And if you're in New York, that's basically a little bit more than your taxes are. So it's definitely a savings, uh, whether you understand it or not. That's budget blinds of East Greenbush. So, all right, Antonio, house cleaning's done. The bar is open. Antonio's drinking uh, hard apple juice. It's Snapple. I mean, that's Snapple. What's under the cap? What's, what's your cap say? Uh, uh, it says that's an apple. You got to tell me what the cap says. Uh, tennis was originally played with bare hands. It's handball. I guess I did. That's that's what the cap says. It's 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 hardcore though. <laughs> I mean, where are you where are you at? You're in the city, right? You're in New York City, right? Um, I'm actually in the suburbs of uh, Philadelphia. Okay, okay, where? Because I used to live in the suburbs of Philly. Where are you at? <laughs> Um, well, I'm about 40 minutes east, so it's sort of, uh, sorry, west, um, around, around that Norristown area. Okay, let's go a little bit. Listen to me. I worked out of Lansdale. I lived in Telford. I owned a house <laughs> in uh, Red, outside of Reading in uh, Fleetwood Blandon area and ran the Allentown recruiting office and the Hapro Horsham. Where are you at? <laughs> what town are you in? Norristown. Okay, so you're in Norristown. Yeah. For good reason, I was in the Marine Corps. I used to have to go to the Norristown courthouse all the time to get records yeah. on people. Back right. when people admit, you know, you had to go do those things. But yeah, I know Norristown. Norristown, Germantown, all those areas. Still in, in beautiful Montgomery County. Still, yep. <laughs> I actually like that area. I, I tell people all the time, uh, do you ever go to? You ever go up to Lansdale and go to Ray's for a cheesesteak? You ever been there? I've I went to Lansdale a few times, but I don't think I've been to Rays. That's that I'm gonna have to try that out then. Yeah, it's right off as soon as you come off the exit off the blue route into Lansdale. Mm-hmm. Look, you now I'm talking listen, you know I know my pet PI off the blue route. Come on. Yeah. And I didn't refer to it as Pennsylvania. <laughs> and, and if I said, Can I get a logger, what are you gonna hand me? Um shoot Yingling. That's it. So these are things to know, folks, if you ever in PA and you just say and you say to someone, Hey, I, if you say to them, I want a yingling, they know you're not from there. Mm-hmm. But if you say you want a lager, yeah, they know what you mean. And if you ask for a black and tan, you're not getting Guinness and Harp mixed together. You are going to get a yingling black and tan. <laughs> These are all simple things. So, so that actually is kind of interesting because that's where I studied Aikido at for the first time for mm-hmm. three years was in Lansdale. So that was where, where my, the, the dojo I trained out of. So you're in, you're in that area. What, you know, what brought you to, you know, say, Hey, I want to write a book on this history. Cause there's been a few books out there mm-hmm. uh, that have been written on Aikido. It's I, I don't know about other martial arts, but there's been some pretty good ones, very technical books on Aikido too. Like people for some reason, like to write books that are super dry, <laughs> but, 
you know, getting into like the circles and the flower patterns and all these things from O Sensei. But um, so what brought you to Aikido? Uh, what brought me to Aikido very simply was my parents did it. And when I was literally able to walk and run, they said, hey, we're going to enroll you into martial arts. Uh, and it was and it was Aikido for the longest time. And uh, we used to we I say we me, me and my sister uh, from that moment on, we did um, Aikido. And then we wound up doing a little bit of uh, Taekwondo as well. Um, so we okay. so we did that uh, side by side. But again, um, you know, don't ask me like what the similarities are be between the two, because I was taking them both as as children. So it, it, it wasn't you, really like I, What's that? Is that as a youth? Yes, as a as a as a youth, a very young and um, not very technically adept youth. But um, <laughs> but um, moving forward with with, with that, I uh, I I enrolled in Westchester for my undergrad, and I enrolled in for history. My major is in history, so uh, the last real history course that they take or they they let or they have people take is the is what's called the capstone course and that's where um for undergrads it's hey you get to write about a certain thing in a way that a historian would do so you got you know you got to go do your research and uh you know write your own thesis and when it's like a thesis it's kind of like hey make sure you get like 15 pages because this is like a 15 week course so you don't do like you know super de in super in-depth research so i want you doing aikido uh, Aikido's American history uh, for for that class. After I tried to do something with pirates or the samurai or something like that, it it, it, it didn't really work out. So uh, I wound up choosing Aikido after I, I talked to my um, my professor at that point, uh, and then I just started to explore everything. Um, the cool thing was is that I had a lot. I, not me. My father had a lot of Aikido books in his library, so it kind of made it a little easier for me to find some sources, at least some secondary sources. Okay. Um, so um, got into that, wrote it. Uh, I literally poured my heart. I, I know I poured my heart in, in, and soul into that, 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 that paper, that class. I had like four other classes and I said, you know, no, this isn't, this isn't that important. It's, you know, it's, it's this, it's this thing. Um, so at the end, um, professor basically said to the entire class, okay, we're going to go through each paper and, and, you know, just say the positive, the negatives, this, that, and the other thing. And in the back of my head, it's like, you know, I didn't, I didn't really finish what I wanted to do with this, with this thing. And I'm like, okay, well, how am I going to, get, you know, make it, make it better, make it bigger, make it, you know, make it what I wanted. And this other student says, you know, this feels more like a book. I'm like, that's it. I'm going to make this a book. And, and I, and I said it like, like right after, right after that, student said i'm like you know that's a good idea thank you and the professor's like well hold on make sure you know why don't you try for 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 an article instead in, in instead of a book and in, in, in the in the back of my mind i'm like no it's going to be a book no matter what <laughs> you, you weren't you weren't trying to hear that at all no absolutely not i'm like this is this is what i'm going to do for the next i don't know how many years um so then i took time and i researched basically for three years uh oh. Researched and I, I should say research and wrote for three years, um, where I explored more facets of the art than and even even the history 
of it, at least here in America. And I'm like, wow, this is this is amazing uh, sort of thing. Um, unfortunately, it, it, it's, it's a little different from other history books or monographs, as they call it in the academia, is that I use a lot of websites as my primary sources. And, you know, there are there are a lot of people who are like, oh, well, well web, websites change this and things like, well, yes, that's true. But if that's the only source that's talking about this specific thing, then I got to use it. Yeah. And I think for Aikido, you know, other than practitioners of the art, you know, you'd have to go to Japan, you know, or, or reference somebody else's history book that they already wrote. And then you're getting into, well, how accurate was their information? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and actually, just to jump off of that, um, there was a it was it was in the 80s and uh john stevens wrote this book it was it was it was called abundant peace and it, it was it was kind of the go-to biography of o sensei um i i read it i don't know how many times for this for this uh research for this book and even now as i'm just going back and forth with it um but like as time went on people started pointing out it's like well hey th you know that doesn't add up to what other people have said uh that you know that john stevens wrote so there's so, so there's not only one a whole debate of, of what actually happened in o sensei's life but there's a whole uh separate <laughs> separate history of what of what o sensei's life was um like if you look at um i, I know this is going slightly off topic but no, make a left turn you, on this thing. <laughs> uh but if you look at there is this uh French uh, French Aikiraka, who made it his point to learn Japanese and work in Japan so he can do all, all this stuff. It's a uh, Giam uh, Erad, I think. Um, uh, tall, tall French guy, but mm -hmm. he knows like the Japanese Aikido history. He knows the Osensei history like it's the back of his hand. I mean, he's you know he's uh, he's you know he's appeared here and there uh, within like the you know the Buddha martial art realm. Um, but he has this whole website dedicated to like doing uh, these facets of uh, of Osensei history. It's actually really, really kind of cool as you dive into it and you kind of show that information to um, people who trained like in the 80s, 90s and even 70s. And, and, and they were like, I don't remember anyone saying about that, you know, for uh, for Osensei. I'm like, well, that's crazy because, he, you, know, he, you know, here it is. <laughs> How many of those old black and white video or or uh, films of O Sensei did you watch? Um, about all that I could find on YouTube and all that I could find uh, from Aikido Journal. So there was there was a lot, and it was just trying to a lot to try to take in with you know you know with all that, um, just you know just how he did his movements, how he um, didn't really have any sort of form and then you try to be like okay well he didn't have you know a specific form like you know every every time he threw through he didn't have a specific stance or he didn't reset himself into a stance to wait until luke gets up and you know th th throws the attack he just he's just already there sort of thing um so it's kind of like a weird thing of like okay well this is what the source looks like and then you look over at some of his students and even his son uh kismaru um koichi tohei which was um the uh, the aikikai chief instructor at the time you have 
Gyozo Shioda, who did uh, Yoshinkan, you also have Kenji Tomiki, who did uh, Tomiki Aikido, where, you know, where the, and there and there's and there's a bunch more, but those are like the top three that I'm just naming off the top of my head. Right. Um, but you know, but there's a bunch Tamiki, more. So Tamiki was what I I would train it. Oh, really? That's that's awesome. Because so I much hard much what they would consider at, in it. And you can correct me. You got the history book. <laughs> um, what they considered a much more harder form, much more physical, like like we did grappling in ours. Like we would, we would, you know, you would do a, a basic Aikido move and Ikkyo, look, I kind of, I don't even believe it's in my head still. Ikkyo, Nikkyo, Sankyo, Yankyo, and Gokyo, the mm -hmm. five basic forms. And then we would be into grappling and, and getting into that a lot. And uh, yeah, it was fun. So <laughs> I didn't mean to take, I didn't mean to take you off your topic. Go ahead. Keep going. That's, that's, that's all good. Um, no, the Tomiki Akio is 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 a is a thing that I'm actually really interested in because it's it's so I I, I don't say different, but it kind of is different if you put Aikikai and Tomiki people side by side. Just you know, just the way that they go about doing doing the same techniques is a is a is a little bit different. And I've talked to uh, two two major Tomiki. Uh, practitioners and uh they were both one a joy to talk with um but just you know I, since there's no real tomiki people around here i just you know it's just it's just a kind of thing that i'm interested in and i would like to actually learn like physically learn more 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 about that's actually really cool who'd you um who'd you uh train under maybe i can try and find him <laughs> you can i'll give you i'll give you a cell phone number he's in new jersey um <laughs> It's not far from you. Keith Bedina. Sente Bedina. Or Shihan. He went by Shihan. Uh, he was, he actually started, uh, he was the son of a, I think his dad was Air Force. He, he'll, if he ends up watching this, he'll send me a message and tell me what <laughs> I was wrong at. But he was that typical high energy kid. Dad was in the Air Force and was coaching like a bat, like Air Force basketball or something like that. And he wouldn't settle down as a kid. And he is, there was somebody on the base over in Japan where they were that was training other service members in Aikido. He sent him off. He's like, go, go learn, go goodbye, get out of my face, go learn Aikido and whatever they were doing. So he spent all his, his youth training and learning and, and getting into it. Uh, we used to do when they would do Lansdale day up in, mm -hmm. Lansdale, we would do street demonstrations somewhere. I have a picture. Uh, he got into uh, samurai sword also, so we all trained in sword. You can't see it. Uh, let's see here if I can. My cap. <laughs> I'm gonna get. If you look on that far wall next to my dad's pool stick, to the left of that, you see that bag. Mm -hmm. That's my yaido. Oh, that's the, uh, that's so, awesome. And if you don't know what a yaido is, folks, that's a sword without an edge. Uh, and my bow can, I think, is in there also. Um, and that's just a wooden sword, practice sword. But he got into it, and then he had uh, Sabatine Ryu Dojo up in Lansdale, and we were there. But we've all – that was different, man. Like, I've been to dojos before, and I tried to train after I left there. He created such a one-off family atmosphere 
that like our kids did it. Our kids trained there. We would go to other dojos and I'm curious of your vibe on this. And we watched other Aikido pr practitioners and we were like, we were all like, you guys suck. <laughs> Horrible. Because if you ever seen the, these guys, like we watched them, like this guy was, he was kneeling and somebody else put his hands on his shoulder and was like, rolled his shoulders and did one of these. And the guy's like, oh, and goes flying away. And we were like, we're all like head tilted doing the uh, RCA dog tip uh, nipper going, you're telling me because you held his shoulders, he was able to just push his energy through you. And these guys were like, absolutely try. So we would get up there and be like, Poosh. and the guys like, Ugh. we're all like, <laughs> what, do you, what do you want me to, am I supposed to do something here? So, so now I, I want to ask this question because I, I kind of get getting this vibe. My my buddy Nate, Nate, I, if you only would have studied fantasy football as much as you did Shotokan, think about how good you would be at fantasy football. Um, and we do have a lot in common, Nate. <laughs> the death, I harass him every chance I get. But um, I'm curious. So it sounds like you studied the Aikido as a kid and then got out of it and then went back to it. Is that what I'm hearing? I had a consistent flow of training. Um, yes, you did to, start with it. Yeah, to be I mean, you know, to be honest, I did. And you know, I mean, like every teenager, it's just kind of like, well, I don't want to do IQ anymore, and that lasted for like a month, and then I and then and, and then and then I went back. So I, you know, I guess I'm not really that good at rebelling, but I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna be a rebel, but just for this moment, <laughs> then I'll go back. Yeah, basically. So um, I, I I had a consistent uh, consistent uh, flow of training, and that's and that's really how I got into um, the whole um, you know the whole writing process because it was a constant in, in a constant in my life, and it still is a constant in my life. The actually funny thing is, like two hours ago, I was training. So awesome. I mean, it it's just. You know, it's just a thing I do from your dojo watching this right now. Did you not tell them? Uh, you know, I, I totally, uh, I, I, I totally went like that. Ah, <laughs> oh, what are you doing? Come on there, Antonio. Well, you know, and Nate brings up a great, great question. And I kind of want to go it. We're going to make a little bit of a left turn here, uh, but it goes with this. Have you seen even in the dojos that you've trained at? Because you said you've been pretty consistent. Any changes or, or any influences from shows like Cobra Kai, you know, people starting to come in or younger people coming into dojos looking to train? Um, now, I, and, you know, preface this as this is this is my experience. So it's only a you know, small snapshot. Um, can't really say for the greater amount. Um, unfortunately, with with the uh, popularity of Cobra Kai, um, can't really deny anything that's popular on uh netflix that has some sort of cultural appeal um but we have not gotten that we the, the dojo that we're at we have not gotten that you know influx of people that have like oh my god cobra kai oh, oh my god the karate kid right uh, the, the the funny thing is is that it's you know it says karate in the name so they just look up karate probably so it's just like they're just gonna go to the karate dojo or the kempo karate or 
you know, what, you know, a, a Taekwondo Tiger school. Showman. Give me some Tiger Showman in my life. <laughs> yeah, 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 Tiger Showman. Or, or um or um um action shark or or um oh yes i forgot about that one <laughs> action shark and, and tiger showman when i was a kid it was down in baltimore it was kim's karate master kim oh, okay. yeah yeah okay <laughs> that, was a, that was a big chain and, and look folks if you're interested in in uh antonio's book you can definitely go to his website it's martial art history no s at, at the end of arts and the book is aikido coming to america uh, a brief history of, of the arts, forgotten American pioneers, 1950 to 1995. Take a look at it. I mean, again, and if you're looking to follow him on Instagram, he's got he's got his Instagram. He's a ball baller life like that, you know. He's on the gram doing it for doing it for the current the gram. Uh, and and his Instagram is May, and I'm gonna mess it up. May T, May T. T history. I can't read it. May TT history. I couldn't read it for a second. And Nate's saying Kim's karate is still big in Baltimore. Like I met Master Kim one time. Nate, Master Kim at this point would have to be like a hundred and fucking seventy years old, um, if he's still around. But uh, yeah. And, and you know what? It, it kind of you know with this history, I'm curious. I'm gonna ask you what your personal feelings on the whole Steven Seagal, um what would you call that drama or scandal? I'd like scandal better mm -hmm. uh, that whole piece. But what is your, you know, what are some of the things that you learn? And, and folks, when we're saying, Oh, sensei, um, Oh, sensei, his, what was his real name? Cause I forget his real name. That's okay. His uh, real name was Morie Ueshiba. And they called him Oh, sensei because he was the original sensei of this. He created this martial art. And you, let's see if you can correct me if I'm wrong, Antonio. Created the martial art during the Second World War. Um, I feel like he created it for his son or something like that, but I can't remember. He was a judo, judo or jujitsu. Uh, uh, he actually did both. Okay, so he did both, and he couldn't do the the throws anymore. Like it, he wasn't he wasn't taking that impact anymore. It just wasn't wasn't happening. That's where the term the old man's art comes from, because it's redirecting other people's energy as kind of like they're throwing a punch. Just pull their arm and let it keep going past you so you don't have to get hit in the face with it. He created this and it kind of just became its own thing, its own hybrid. Uh, it's a lot of circles. If you're if you like circles, like you'll love Aikido because it's all about circles. Everything is a circle. Or the shape of, you know, they get very Japanese about it with like shape of a flower. Oh, you move like the petal in the flower and all those things. Uh, Nate, he didn't really mix the two. He just took what was comfortable on your feet about the two. Is that, would, would that sound good, Antonio? Or correct me if I'm wrong on any of this shit. No, that's no, okay. The, the, uh, the generalness is, is perfect. It's, it's fine. Is, and that's why I love you, Andrew. And I will send that money to you just for saying it's the best podcast out there. I appreciate you because I love you, Andrew. But um, yeah, so and then he started training service members afterwards. And that's kind of how did that? I'm kind of curious about that. Like I've heard like Americans that stayed over there kind of found a way to learn from him. But what was really how did that portion of it start that? 
forced it to start coming back to the States. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so the, so after World War II, we, you know, we have, have to take this context in, into it. And maybe a lot of the military history guys out there would, would uh, remember or know this. But um, prior to Japan's surrender in 1945, uh, the United States and the Allied forces within the Pacific basically firebombed almost the entire country of Japan. So, you know, and not to mention we dropped two nukes on them. So they had to essentially rebuild after this this whole thing. So they took literally from 1945 to let's just say 1955 for, you know, uh, numbers sake. Um, to really rebuild itself to try and actually make something um, of semblance of what was before, you know, the firebombing and stuff. Um, also important to note that uh, the U United States uh, pumped a whole bunch of money into Japan so that they could re uh, rebuild it. Um, anyway, so 1955-ish rolls around. So by the, so by the mid-50s, things are starting to get back to normal. Uh, minus the whole super ultra nationalistic thing of, oh, hey, Japan's the best thing ever. Um, so, you know, according to what I have found, the first real person to start teaching Aikido outside of one, what is now considered Hanbu and, you know, outside of like the O Sensei line is uh, Gozo Sh uh, Shioda, who later creates his own Yoshinkan um, Aikido. He's, he starts teaching uh, uh, basic self-defense stuff or just Aikido in general uh, to um, workers. I can't remember off top. I think, I think they were like steel workers. Uh, and since this is still the, uh, the building up phase, you have a bunch of um, like, oh, hey, you have resources. I want your resources too. So the workers had to fight off people sort of thing. So, okay, so people know, like coming to, to work sites, trying to steal items to take yeah. them and they needed a way to defend themselves. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, this was like, you know, proto mad, mad max right now. It's, you know, it's try, it's, it's trying to move, move past it. Right. But people are still doing like weird stuff like that. Um, so you have Shiola doing that and he winds up finding, getting a, a following um, there. He actually gets uh, backing from, uh, from, I think one one or two bankers to basically build up his Yoshinkan dojo. So at that point, uh, you move over to um, the Kanto region or the um, Tokyo region, and you have um, Osensei's son and um, Tohei. So Osensei's son is Kishimaru, um, and you have Tohei, Koichi Tohei. Um, and both of them were kind of like, hey, Shiro's doing something over there. We need to get our crap together. Um, it should also be noted, and I, I do apologize if this is like long-winded, but history winds up becoming long, long-winded. Um, it's, it's a dry point to it, but I, I mean, <laughs> we're going to get to it because we're going to talk about Steven Seagal, folks. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, look, Antonio's got the hair and everything. <laughs> you got a ponytail back there, don't you, Antonio? Yes, I, See, yes, I do. <laughs> got it. So, so they decide, hey, this he's doing it over there. We need to start our yeah. shit here. Yeah. So um, there was some prodding that Kishimaru had to do with Osensei. He's like, hey, it's like, hey, we have to get this going because you know, what I mean, um, 
because we can't be left behind. And Osensei, one, not for uh, being in charge of things. He's like, at, you know, after a bit, he's like, yeah, sure. Go ahead, son, do it. So Kisaru just basically builds up uh, what is now Aikikai Hanbu. Um, uh, and he starts gathering people back. He's like, hey, let's, you know, let's do this again. He gets uh, Tohei to write some of the curriculum uh, actually, he and himself write curriculum. He, uh, both of them get uh, sayings and speeches and stuff that uh, o, uh, o Sensei did. They edit them because, um, and this is a whole other conversation too that we may probably not have time for. But O Sensei was really big into religion, so he would start quoting um, like obscure religious references that most of the modern Japanese wouldn't rec uh, remember. Like there's stories of him coming from Owama down to um tokyo well he'll just give like these giant lectures with like one or two techniques and all the young guys there and you know this is like the 60s and all the young guys there like in their 18 19 20 21s and, and stuff like that trying to sit on their knees for long periods of time and when people ask him about this things like oh my god it's you know it's it's you know it's a sensei saying some stuff and they're like i don't understand i don't remember i don't i don't understand any of it it was it was it, it was just like i just wanted to train i i didn't know anything about the spiritual stuff right <laughs> so like, it's funny you bring that up just for a sidebar i a gentleman i met who had trained over there and trained with, you know, one of those, one of it, like, this is it. If folks, if you've ever met anyone who's trained in Japan with anyone, it matters to their lineage back to somebody. So he had trained with somebody who like, had trained with Osensei son or trained with Osensei. I don't remember, but he was like, I wanted to thank the guy. And the guy saw he was an American and had well over our conversations with other people while ignoring him while he sat on his knees and his sensei who was this guy's uh student watched him and he said when he got done and the guy finally acknowledged him oh thank you for coming i appreciate you one of those and then uh, then that sensei left he said his sensei was so relieved he didn't get up and move like most americans be like fuck you dude i don't i'm not gonna play this game with you they had to help him up because his legs had just locked up on him. There was no movement. So, but so they all get together. They build this school. I'm sorry. I, you just reminded me yeah. of that kneeling thing. That's okay. Sensei's doing, you know, sermon on the mound. People, you know, sermon on the mound and a good throw. So, mm -hmm. how does it keep moving from there? So, um, Kismaru has Kismaru, and actually, it's really Kismaru. Toei's just teaching at this point but Kishmaru gets gets this idea it's like hey when you build build this thing back up and when you send people out so he starts sending people out uh, all all across japan and the uh american bases since they're in plethora there because you know the war just happened and everyone wants to make sure that japan's not going to go on a genocidal maniac thing again so um they 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 wound up sending teachers to these um to these uh camps these uh basis. Aikikai did it, Yoshinkan did it, uh, Tomiki did it, um, all these other uh, schools, styles, and even arts just did it. Um, so that's where like the first real, like a real Americans, real, real Westerners, excuse me, get, get a taste for uh, Aikido and the marsh and the Eastern martial arts. 
Uh, it's okay. you know it's through the post-war periods, through the uh, Korean War, it's through uh, Vietnam where people are are stationed, and they take this stuff and they bring them back over to the United States. And at the same time, Ike Kai is still sending out um, uh, people all 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 over the world. I, I I think the first one to go fully abroad uh, was in um, was to France, and that was in um, I think sixty years. 61 i think um and then uh tohei winds up getting an invitation to go to go to uh hawaii and i think 62 um and since hawaii is technically not a territory uh, as a state it was a territory so you could argue that uh tohei coming over to um the uh there in 60 something um to Hawaii was like the first time that IQ was brought to the mainland uh, or brought to uh, America. I'm sorry. To America because it was a U.S. territory at the time. Right. That, that's an inter interesting vibe. So as this is going, so that's these guys are spreading this this out, sort of spreading the good word. Um, we And we've kind of hinted at the at some of this. So as it's growing in popular, but Aikido is a weird martial arts from a popularity standpoint. Mm -hmm. I feel like you really have to almost, it's the uh, CrossFit of martial arts. Like some guys weight train, some guys run cardio, but like, if you're more of a purist, you're like, I do Aikido. Like, does that make sense? Like, like, it's not mm -hmm. like, like everybody's like, so I go to Brazilian jujitsu or I studied jujitsu, which listen, folks. Don't fuck with somebody if they know judo. <laughs> Don't mess with nobody if they know judo. Like, like, listen to me. Leave them people alone. Don't, don't think it, it. Look, they know what they're doing. But I'm gonna be honest with you. Most martial artists, if you really study, they, they know what they're doing. If the guy tells you he did it for three years and hasn't done it in in another like uh twenty, he probably forgot most of this shit. Kids <laughs> up. That's me. I'm not, but, but, you know, what is, why do you think, you know, and, and you, you, you mentioned this, I mean, it's a modern martial art. I don't know of anything that's more modern, maybe Brazilian jujitsu as an offshoot of real jujitsu. Um, <laughs> call that. Am uh, I yeah. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just laughing because like there is, there is that debate where it's like, it's Japanese jujitsu. No, it's actually judo, but it's not real jujitsu. And it's like, what is real jujitsu now? But I mean, <laughs> like to me, jujitsu comes from Japan. You don't put the word Brazilian in front of it. If you want Brazilian martial art, I call that capoeira. Mm -hmm. That's that. Am I wrong? Tell me if I'm wrong, Antonio. You could tell me I'm wrong. My friends do it all the time. So am I wrong? <laughs> um, not not with the information that I have right now. So you're good. So like capoeira is. Is their martial art right? Mm -hmm. It's Brazilian. Brazilian jiu-jitsu is jiu-jitsu, but a bunch of Brazilian guys doing it and putting their spin on it. Um. Yes. Um. The unfortunate part is that there's actually like a really big history with that. Um. That I am not well versed in because it, it actually gets really interesting. It it uh, it culminates or it starts actually before this whole. Uh, you know, before the World War starts or World War II starts. So it's actually kind of cool how um, 
at least this oh comes to Brazil and then like you know the guy you know a guy comes and then the guy stays for like two or three years the guy leaves and then it's you know it's left with like the Gracie and the Helios and you know all those families there and they're like well how we you know how we one remember it but two then how do we make it better or at least make it brazilian so i mean in in that sense it it, you know it can be their you know their own but i mean uh, you know that's also another conversation about you know the globalization and the internationalness of everything now more so than ever so yeah (laughs) um what's his name frank dukes uh, mm-hmm. If you guys don't know who Frank Dukes is, that's Frank Dukes is the movie Bloodsport. And I've actually seen, here's one for you, Antonio, in Yuma, Arizona. I don't ima- know if it's there anymore. I actually saw, and I don't remember what they called it anymore, but Dukes Foo or whatever the hell he called it. Um, hey there, can't stay and watch. Hey, love you too, brother. Be safe here, uh, Brandon. But um, I saw one of Frank Dukes actual dojos and if if you watch the movie Bloodsport, they talk about that he did this i don't know anybody who still does what he did but mm-hmm. do you know what i'm talking about i know, yes absolutely so but I, i'm we're we're making left turns for a minute <laughs> it's okay i promise you i will i will ask your question uh nate how do you have a blue belt in brazilian jiu-jitsu and, and studied under hoist hoist gracie form nate uh, you and I got to talk, Nate. Like, you're a busy-ass man. Uh, hey, folks, go check out uh, Paranormal and the Funhouse. Love those guys. So let's go ahead and throw it out. I'm going to throw out one one name again. I've, I've teased this. I want to know, as somebody who has studied the history, I'm going to almost call you a purist a little bit, Antonio. Do you want to give the Reader's Digest version of Steven Seagal, or I can give the Reader's Digest version but I want to know your feelings on Steven Seagal and Aikido. Okay. So, um, well, one, I think everyone should have an idea of who Steven Seagal is, but the quick, you know, the uh, spark news version of it is that uh, he's a tall American man who uh, began training in Aikido um, in the seventies in Japan. Um, and he winds up being one of the first uh, Americans to actually run a dojo in Japan. Uh, the funny, funny enough is that it was because he he married his first wife, and that that first wife was the do- daughter of the dojo owner. So he, you know, he kind of got it through there. Uh, and he taught a slightly different style of Aikido. Now it's still considered Aikikai, or you know, pure pure line. Uh, I say this in quotes because it's martial arts and, you know, it's, it's, yeah, Um, it gets, yeah, yeah, it gets, it gets, it gets really muddy anyway. But, um, so he's there, he's doing his stuff there. He's, he's doing a slightly different, uh, more harsher style uh, of Aikido. They call it combat Aikido. Uh, Apparently a lot of people went to uh, his classes, his, uh, his attention Aikido. classes uh because they wanted to feel safe on the subway and all this other stuff because even still in the 70s you had the yakuza and all these other gangs popping up so that's actually where he meets um uh matsuoka um who who was for his longest time 
his student, but also like his go-to stunt guy. So after his his uh, little stint in uh, Japan, he comes back to California. He opens up a dojo um, in the 80s. And, it's, you know, and as dojos happen in any which way, uh, it's not like the best source of income. So he's, you know, he's he's just doing things there. Um, so then come like right before 1988, uh, say 86, 87, let's just say that uh, he starts getting into uh, the movie business. Uh, he actually choreographs a fight for. Oh, I'm blanking on I'm blanking on the name, but it it, it was one of the last movies with uh, Toshio uh, Mifune. Um, really blank on the name. Sorry. So he actually choreographs a uh, choreographs a fight there, and uh, Matsuoka, Matsuoka plays one of the um, one of the bad guys, and that gives him a shoehorn into. Um, the, the movie business and I'm forgetting the student names. I'm not, I don't think it's Warner, but he, he gets in, he gets his shoe into that movie company and who, uh, the producer guy who saw tapes of it, he's like, Oh my God, this is like, you know, this is awesome. We should do something. Um, so then 1988 rolls around and it's above the law, above the law. Hits. Great movie. I love above the law. And yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, sometimes you gotta forget that, Steven Seagal is not the greatest of actors, but you know, you still like, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's still a thing. It's like, Hey, that's, that's cool. Let's take out that, that thing. And everything else is good. <laughs> Every Steven Seagal big fight scene, they all run at him in the mm -hmm. exact same line, like a sensei standing in the middle of, of the mat. And the students are like running up and he's like, Every single one of them is exactly yeah, the same. Actually, yeah, and you, know, you watch, and that was, and that was a big part of because one, the producer guy, what was like, we got, you know, we got to show this thing, we got to show Aikido, but even he was like, I'm going to do Aikido stuff. Um, so, like his first five movies, uh, according to critics and actually according to some people too, is that you know they're his staple movies. And it's, and it's those five movies that really helped push Aikido to the mainstream conscious. So you have, um, so you have Above the Law, you have, um, I'm, I'm going to go and go in not the right order. Uh, Above the Law, Under Siege, you got Glimmer Man, you got, um, uh, anyway, I'm, 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 I'm not, I'm not remembering right now. You have, I mean, you know, you, you, you're trying to, to remember movies that may be as old or if not older than you. So Out for Justice. Oh, uh, yes. Siege, On Deadly Ground, Under Siege mm -hmm. 2, uh, Executive Decision, The Glimmer Man, Fire Down Below. Fire Down Below was interesting. That's the one where he's like on the oil out in the oil fields with the Native Americans. Did you know who was in one of his movies? Who? Ar Arlene Ermey. Really? He fights Arlie Ermey in a movie. Like Arlie Ermey looks like he, you know, he was older when he passed away, but he fights like Arlie Ermey. He's like, listen here, there you piece of shit. And like he tries to be the drill instructor, go on this. You have Exit Wound. That's with Wesley Snipes, if I remember right. Like he did, like, I mean, you start looking through his out for a kill. Mm -hmm. uh, you start looking at his movies and you're like, my God, this guy did a lot of movies. I mean, you just, oh, 
I never realized, like, as you were talking, and now with the dyed must, the dyed goatee, and the dyed. <laughs> Do you remember when he was a when he was like a cop? He was like mm-hmm. a duly a duly uh, sworn in deputy or something like that, and he had his own TV show where he's like, "Stop, mm-hmm. uh, listen here, punk." That and then and then and then he would actually change to uh, like like a whole Cajun thing. Like I mean, he, he would he yes. would he, he would change like so many different accents. It, it was uh, it was interesting to watch. And then like, oh man, <laughs> he was so bad. He was so horrible. Now, but let me ask this question. So, but what is your feeling on a guy like that who? You know, I see the positive. He brought it to a mainstream understanding. But if you look at the traditional Japanese, you know, he left it. He he was mar- a married man in Japan, first American to own a dojo in Japan, gifted by his his father in law. He leave he leaves that woman there. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna go to California and do this Hollywood thing. Leaves her there, and really, you know, damages that you know loses face for that woman who had nothing to do with this that's when he married kelly lebrock um Mm -hmm. so what's your you know best question i have is good ambassador bad ambassador what's your feelings well this is also with the thing of hindsight but in the beginning i i think he was a positive uh ambassador ambassador i mean he had a bit of uh you know chip on his shoulder when you know in those first few movies doing interviews and stuff like that but then again like that's you know that's like yeah you just got brought into stardom so it's like you know that's you know that that, that's a whole new uh thing uh life experience that you know i i haven't experienced yet so i i wouldn't know but as as he from from what it seemed like he really got into you know he really started started to believe that the roles were were him so he started to believe that he was that special agent. He was that cop. He was that guy out for, you know, out for whatever. And everyone just kind of looked at him and was like, what are you doing? Uh, I mean, there, there are a good amount of stories. Um, I think Howard Stern gave one. Um, Joe, Joe Rogan gave another uh, about like how, how like deadpan serious he was about everything. Um, and everyone was like, wait, uh, what are you talking about? Uh, actually, I'll give like a little little thing here. Like, um, someone was like writing a script with him or something like that. And Zagol goes back into a room, and you know he spends hours there. He comes out, and he and he says to the guy, "I'm not going to try and do his voice because I'm probably going to laugh at it." Um, but he's he's like, you know, I just read the best script ever. And this, you know, his friend is like, "Okay, well, cool. This is awesome. Who wrote it?" Without skipping a beat, deadpan. I wrote it. So. <laughs> I love him. See, this is what I love about him. If I, we got to get ready to close the bar up here. I mean, there's so much <laughs> we talk about that, that guy alone. Like, supposedly, rumor has it that um, Vladimir Putin is a huge Seagal fan. Oh, and- he he um he wound up getting I think Russian citizenship uh, a few yeah. years ago, and and then even even after the whole Crimea incident. Back in what 2014 through 2015, uh, a few years after that, he was he was there on some sort of news thing defending Putin. So yeah, th- 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 there is rumor is that's where he's still at. Nobody knows where he is right now. He is yeah. on the face of the earth. You know, 
actually there is there's a really cool two-part video uh by this uh self-proclaimed cry nerd um it's uh, by jesse enkamp uh he's a he's a swedish guy he and his brother uh wound up actually talking with him on like a two three day scale and that was when he was in dubai that was like probably like a good year ago or, or at least eight eight months ago and it and to be honest, that's like the first time I've seen in a while that oh, Steven Seagal was like coherent and like actually realistically serious. You know what I mean? Fo- focused properly. Well, he got caught up. Yeah. In the, he got caught up in the Me Too movement also. Well, yeah, there, there was yeah, there was a lot of stuff. And, you know, the fact that there was a lot of out of court settlement stuff uh, leads me to believe some other things, um, which which then has kind of almost made it seem that Seamus goal is not the best any you know best ambassador for Aikido any anymore and you know there really hasn't been any real person to take up that mantle I mean the you know the next best thing for karate is you know the the um um Cobra Kai yeah Cobra Kai and before that was uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme right but, I mean um yeah, no one really has come to take over that, you know, that spot. You know, you bring up a great you bring up a great point. I mean, we've we've got this mixed martial art and that's I, I give it a lot of credit. I mean, even the Marine Corps, when I went when I was first in, we trained in what was called line training and it stood for linear inverted neurological override. It was 12 steps. I think it was 12 that basically went from one extreme of eye gouge, throat punch, or groin hit, or to the farthest extreme, which was, you know, some knife technique and stuff. But all of them ended with a heel strike to the Achilles and a heel strike to the temple. It was it was to kill someone, which mm-hmm. is, guess what, folks? This kinder, gentler bullshit that the service is doing with mixed martial arts <laughs> is crap. Trust me, we need to go back to line training and teaching guys how to actually end the enemy, not like oh, I've subdued you, I've put zip ties on your hands. Time to take you away. It's so stupid to me. Um, but now that's what we do. We do line training and we've mixed all these martial arts, and we've got, you know, back in the early days, they actually had like the shamrocks of the world coming in and training and, and teaching it at these studios. And look, I take nothing away from these guys, they'd all whoop my ass right now. That's why I have a concealed carry permit. Um <laughs> But reality of it is, is these guys, they're they're badasses. I take nothing away from them. But we don't have anybody, that movie guy anymore that's like the Bruce Lee, the Chuck Norris, the, you know, Steven Seagal, the uh, Van Damme. Who was the perfect weapon, the movie Perfect Weapon? He should have done movie, more movies. Jeff Speakman. Um, yeah, yeah. Jeff Speakman, who only did The Perfect Weapon, which was a great movie. It was fun for its time. Uh, I doubt it holds up well. You know, there's nobody out there doing those kind of things. I think that genre is hurting right now. Like the last time we had it was like Hidden Dragon, Flying Chicken or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, the, those movies that are very like China, Japan, over the top, like people like <laughs> I land on top of bamboo shoots and jump. <laughs> <laughs> that shit you know it, is there anything that you've learned from from writing your book and we're and know we're getting close on time here anything you learn from writing your book that tells you like 
we could see a resurgence in this or a lot of these martial arts do need to go back to the basics to kind of reinvigorate themselves. What are your thoughts there? Well, um, the, 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 well, the, well, the thing with that is that un unfortunately the book, since it released in 2020, uh, it was literally on a cusp before uh, COVID hit. So that's, I mean, the un unfortunately the book uh, isn't going to really answer that kind of question. Um, but like moving forward now, um, it's kind of, uh, I, I, you know, I don't know how you are with religion, but my one, but my one friend is religious, but, um, she, you know, she was saying like to give or to, I, I'm sorry, I'm trying to find the right words, but to, uh, make Christianity appeal to the newer generation, you have to package it in a way for the newer generation to um, understand it and come to it sort of thing. Uh, and then and then have those op opportunities to do so uh, without trying to, uh, sorry, without uh, diluting the message. Um, that that sort of mindset, that, that sort of frame, um, pro most likely should be the way that uh, we as Ikeuka, maybe even just martial arts in general, because we did still take a big hit uh, from COVID and everything yep. else that that you know that was around from it. Uh, we you know we can't we can't uh, you know fight that at all uh, or discredit that I should say. Um, but it comes back down to and from the people I've talked for you know for the book, even for. Um, uh, my online chronicle, uh, martial arts history, uh, martial arts of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Um, all of them struck me as I was reading or interviewing them. All of them struck me as like they were that that specific kind of person that one Aikido fit their personal philosophy or fit their worldview, uh, and then also that they were somebody that would that would be committed to a long haul of some sorts. Um, yeah. You know, just a little tidbit. Uh, I work a little bit in the public school system, and I can tell you that some of the ninth graders are just, just actually in general, kids don't have that attention span for one history, but to um, some of the other school subjects. So it's kind of like this battling thing of like to stay true to the art, but then also try and get more people, uh, or at least get more exposure. But then people but we have more and more people who are not uh, either one willing, willing to take that step, willing to take that long-term commitment uh, to get, you know, at least decent at it uh, to, to, or, or actually, or two that uh, Aikido fits their outlook, their mindset, their worldview. So I think right. I know that was, you know, I know it's kind of like a complicated answer in a way, but it it's, it's a bit hard because I've, you know, I've been trying to figure out one way, shape or form to be like, Hey, why don't you try this? And people are like, Hey, that's cool to watch on YouTube. <laughs> not, well, not, not to arts. do. I, I think you're absolutely right. Mar martial arts in general takes a commitment and most of us have the attention span of a, of a goldfish. <laughs> we got, we got to close the bar up here, folks. Look, go check out what Antonio law has going on. 
you can find him at martial arts martial art history.com there's no s after arts after art so it's martial art history.com his instagram is may tt history uh he's very engaging he's got a lot going on nate uh well i'll ask your question here in a minute nate just so we, we can sign it up. If you're finding us through Antonio, please give us a like, share, follow, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, TikTok, Instagram. I say this every week. Look, for Antonio's book to blow up and people to find it and get an opportunity to re read about his book and, and to understand that American history and the pioneers of Aikido, you know, from the 1950s to 1995, to know what that meant to go on that journey, especially after the second world war, when anything Japanese was very much still, you know, there was a very race related overtone to everything in this country. And to bring something like that here, amazing book, go check out what Antonio's got going on, but give us those like follows and shares. That's how this grows. That's how this man it matters. Go. The biggest thing you can do for us on this show is going on to Apple or going on to Spotify giving us that five-star rating, leaving a comment about how you felt listening to this, how you felt about Antonio as a guest. Even other podcasters are going to go look up Antonio and say, oh, well, he's got a five-star rating. People talk good about him on that podcast. I want him to be a guest. Uh, and Eileen, I wish you were here too. And Eileen, we could do another podcast, you and me. But uh, my aunt out in Montana. Um, but, you know, definitely one of those kind of things Get to know what he's got going on. Get to understand it. I, I will tell you that Aikido personally um, is a very is a very spiritual art. It gets very much into what's around you, your space, understanding your personal space, understanding your personal energy, and how your body moves. I will tell you, it taught me movement of myself and how my hands work in a very different way that I never understood and none of it made me uh, lose my sight or grew hair on my palms. Uh, none of that happened. So we're good. Uh, make sure you're checking out what Antonio's got going on. Make sure you see what he's got happening uh, real quick. We've got, this is a, a short week for us. We're going to do a show on Saturday. We're going to do a show next Wednesday. We normally never do Saturday shows, but we got some special guests coming up. Uh, lady coming on. Her name's Julie. She's a contract. She is a, I remember the right term, a complete contractor. She's the only female in California that does this to where you can go to her. She can give you the architectural. She can give you the design. She can give you everything and build your house for you or whatever it is that you need. So she's coming on uh, Saturday. We're going to be talking about that. Please like, follow, share. Uh, I'm going to ask Nate's question real quick. Do you have a go-to meal after training? Do you have your meal? What's your meal? Uh, my... Well, my my meal, uh, my training is usually after my my dinner. So when I get back home, I kind of I kind of get up on carbs. So it's it's kind of like peanut butter crackers, peanut butter crackers. I like. <laughs> so. All right, brother. So here's one of the the rules of the show. Uh, and don't log off after this. As we do on every episode, the guest gets the final word. So what's the final word for us, Antonio? Well, uh, one, thank you for having me. Uh, two, uh, if you're interested in um, IQ, uh, uh, IQ history, please take a look at IQ Comes to America. Uh, you can find it at martialarthistory.com or you can find it up on Amazon as well. Uh, if you want to learn more about um, martial arts in general in America, 
um, and their history, uh, please check out martialarthistory.com. Uh, uh, it ranges from Aikido to Judo to uh, Olympic fencing to even historical fencing um, and even, you know, Japanese swordsmanship. So it's, you know, it, I, you know, it's kind of a lot there if you're interested in uh, Japanese martial arts or just martial arts in general in, in, a, in America. Um, so please check out those those things and please uh, log back on to uh, Above the Bar and, uh, you know, enjoy it. Alrighty, folks, be sure to push your stool in. This has been an Earplug Podcast presentation found on EarplugPodcast.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, and wherever your favorite podcasts are found.